Daniel chapter number one. And um, there's a very specific message that God has put on my heart for this evening. And it may seem as a strange message, but really it's a great part of the ministry that God has given to my wife and I. It's a large part of what God has called us to do. And um, for the last seven years, I had the opportunity to assist Pastor Clarence Sexton in the Temple Baptist Church. And my main responsibilities, I'm sorry, okay. Yes, that good? All right, here we go. I've had the opportunity to lead the soul winning ministries and the children's ministries for five years. And I thought, um, at first, I thought, you know, this is wonderful. I have the opportunity to work for children for several years, and this is great. But what God has helped me to understand now is that is not something that was going to be a part of my life for just a few years. God has helped me to understand that there's nothing greater on planet Earth than working to reach children with the gospel and teach those children the Word of God. And so a big part of what we're going to seek to do is to see Sunday schools started and restarted all over Key West and the Florida Keys and South Florida. As a matter of fact, our very first Sunday school that we're starting starts this coming Sunday. How about that? August 21st, we're beginning a brand new Sunday school for children on the island of Key West. And it's, a bit, it's amazing for the last, since I got there, the day I arrived, we have gone out soul winning and knocking on doors every single day and um, after work, and we have close to 50 children who never heard of Sunday school. They didn't even know what it was. They thought we were actually going to try to teach them school school on, on Sunday. They thought, we have enough school going on already. You want to add another day? And I had to help them understand, no, this is about the Bible. This is about getting a Bible foundation for your life. And um, so we're just excited about that. If you would pray for us, that's going to be starting. We've raised the money. We bought a 15-passenger van. And for the first time, as far as I know, in decades, children are going to be brought to church into a Sunday school on the island of Key West and learn the Word of God. That's amazing, isn't it? And so pray for us. And with that context, that backdrop, I think you'll understand the message that God has put on my heart for tonight. When we come to Daniel chapter number 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 here in just a moment, but I want you to understand the context. In Daniel chapter number 1, it's a very unusual situation because here we find the nation of Israel, who out of all of the nations of the world is uniquely known as the people of God. In the Old Testament time, God did his work in this world through a nation, and that nation was the nation of Israel. And what we find at this time is that the nation of Israel, I'll try to stay right here. That will be very challenging for me, but I'll try not to get too excited. <laughs> you pray for me, all right? The nation of Israel was the people of God. And what would you expect from the people of God? I'm talking about the ones who don't just have a form of religion, not just rituals and me mechanical things they're doing. I'm talking about the Almighty God is with them. You'd think that they'd be shining as a light. You'd think that they'd be moving forward in victory, but this is strange. When you come to Daniel chapter 1, the people of God are being defeated. They're on their knees, as you would, and literally being conquered by the Babylonian Empire. The mightiest army with the mightiest man in all the world, King Nebuchadnezzar, has been marching all throughout the world. And city after city and nation after nation, King Nebuchadnezzar has been going to place after place and wiping them out. 
and destroying them. And I think I've got some assistance coming. He, do, he doesn't need any help preaching, but... <laughs> we'll get it right eventually. Amen. I guess it was a user, def- uh, a user error. <laughs> let's go ahead and pray really fast, and let's ask God to help us. Would you pray in your heart as I pray out loud? Our Father in heaven, I thank you that we can come to you. And I know, dear Lord, that I cannot do anything on my own, but with you all things are possible. Speak to our hearts this evening. Give great attention, and may what you want to accomplish be accomplished by your spirit. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So you find God's people literally being conquered. The Babylonian Empire has defeated every nation they've gone up against, and now they're knocking at the door of God's people, and they're going to wipe them out. The whole city of Jerusalem is sieged. And when they can go in and do anything they wanted to do, King Nebuchadnezzar, the mightiest man in all the world, he asked one of the captains of his army to go in there, and he had only two very specific requests. Would you like to know what it is when the mightiest man in all the world conquers the people of God? And he says, there's two things I want you to do. Would you like to know what those things are? That's what we're going to read in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at it together. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Asphenaz, don't miss this now, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. In verse five, we continue reading, the Bible says, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these, so he just told us what happened. He just told us that the Babylonians had conquered them and King Nebuchadnezzar asked his people to go in there and take some of the children. Now he actually tells us, this is a historical account. The Babylonian empire overcame the Assyrian empire and became the great world power. And they were dominating people after people. And now they arrived in Jerusalem and they're literally taking children captive. And look, they they introduce us to the names of some of these captive children. Verse six, now among these were of the children of Judah, real boys, real people who walked planet earth. Daniel, you ever heard of Daniel? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar. Boy, that's a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) Belteshazzar. And to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Now notice this, please, verse eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What an amazing passage of scripture. And I'd like to just bring your attention to that phrase that's in the third verse. Would you look at it with me? The Bible says this. 
bring certain of the children. And the message this evening is one that God has put on my heart. It's called bring the children. Bring the children. This is no coincidence. The mightiest man in the whole world, the one who who could be said is the, the world ruler, the world leader, and he goes to Jerusalem, he's conquered the people, he sends his troops in there, and he could literally take anything he wants. If it was me, I would have walked in there and said, where are the banks at in this place? <laughs> where do you store your money? Where's the precious things that I can take with me to Babylon? But it's so interesting. He says, I want you to bring certain of the children with you. The other thing he mentioned was the vessels from the house of their God. That's the two things. He said, I want you to go into their temple where they worship and take out the vessels that they use in their worship and let's take them to our temple in Babylon as trophies to show that our God is greater than their God. You see, these Hebrews, they think their God is the true and living God. They think he's the most powerful God. Well, guess what? We're we're whipping them. We've conquered them. They're under our feet. Our God is greater than their God, they're saying. Let's take their stuff and put it as a trophy in our temple. And then he said, bring some of the children. Isn't that interesting? You see, what this man Nebuchadnezzar understood and what the great leaders of the world, I prayed that God by his spirit would give us understanding tonight because this is a message that can change everything. Because children make up approximately 30% of the world's population and 100% of the world's future. And you know what? The leaders of this world know that. And they place this emphasis. And thousands of years ago, the man who can go in and take anything, he says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Go in there and bring me the children who have the greatest potential. Bring the children to me. That's the call that the leaders of the world send out today. That's the call that Nebuchadnezzar said he wanted. He said, I don't, I'm not interested in all those things. The adults, all of the, the exploits and the valuable things, they mean nothing to me. Bring me those children, the ones that I know I can work with and put the things in their hearts and minds that I want to put there so they can grow up and become useful to me and to my kingdom. That's the most fertile soil. I can work with them. I can mold them and make them into everything I want them to be. He said, bring me the children. That's where I see the greatest value in this city. Isn't that very interesting? And so we see the call of the world saying, bring the children. But if you listen closely tonight, those who have a spiritual ears to hear, if you listen closely, you will hear the Babylons and the Nebuchadnezzars of this world today coming after the children today saying, bring me the children. You know, the adults, they're so stubborn that you, you can hardly speak to it. I don't know. Do you, when you speak to adults, do you notice a lot of times that they're not even really listening? <laughs> They're just listening long enough to give you their response back. There's not a whole lot of convincing and persuading that is happening. Of course, the Holy Spirit works and he does amazing things, but you talk to a child and they're so engaged. They're so ready to believe. That's how God made them. And the leaders of this world know it and they say, bring me the children. But for those of us here tonight who have spiritual ears, there's another person who's calling to bring the children. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter number 10? I want you to see who it is. In Mark chapter 10, and we, verse 13, we find the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all children himself. Think about this. The creator of all children himself is speaking, and people bring children to him, and he says something that is so important. And I hope that God gives us an understanding to realize that this isn't a message just for young couples. This isn't a message for people who are raising young children in the home. This is a message for every child of God. Everyone in here is a a parent 
a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, if you're a Christian, then God is literally counting on you. I mean, he, he's banking on you being a part of his effort to reach children. This is of great importance and relevance to all of us. God intends to use every one of us as a part of his work to get the children to him. So look what he says in Mark 10, verse 13, Jesus Christ, the creator of children, he says this, and they brought young children to him. What an amazing thought that is. <laughs> you imagine bringing children to Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Don't miss this. On one side, the world and the world leaders is coming after children. They're saying, bring us the children. Bring me the children. I wanna make them into what we think they should be. I want them to dress and talk and think and have the goals and the desires, get on the path that we have for them in life so they can become what we want them to be. But on the other side, Jesus, the creator of all children, the one who came to this earth to bleed and die on the cross for them with nail-scarred hands is reaching out and saying, would someone bring me the children? Would someone get the children to me? I love them. I know why I made them. I know what their purpose is. Would someone bring me the children? So this puts all of us in a very unique situation. Do you see it? On one side, the world is saying, bring me the children. Then our Savior and Lord is saying, bring me the children. You know what that means? I hope you brought your running shoes. The race is on. <laughs> All children are reached. It's not a question of will the children be reached. The question is, who will reach the children? The world says, bring them. Jesus says, bring them. And you and I are in an ultimate race to bring the children to Jesus Christ. That's why my heart is so encouraged to see that they're still running the Sunday school buses, that they're still trying to reach the children. You say, is it worth it? I don't really know. You better believe it's worth it. It's the greatest thing in all the world. And every prayer you pray for it, every dollar you give for it, every person who signs up to be a driver, I want you to know that Jesus Christ who died for you is so pleased and thrilled about it because he's tired of seeing the children brought to the world. He died for them. He loves them. He says, would you please just bring me these children? And there's a few things that we find back in Daniel chapter number one. I wanna bring them out to you. The first thing we find is that children are being targeted. I mean, it's no secret. It's out in the open. Children are being targeted. Even King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't shy about it. He said this in verse number three, bring certain of the children. That's pretty clear, isn't it? His intentions and his desire is very clear. He said, I want you to go in there and target the children. So I want you to imagine this with me. The Bible doesn't really give us this narrative, but just use your imagination. The, the great army of the most powerful nation in the world surrounds the city of God. He sends his soldiers in there. I don't know what happens. They're walking through the streets. They're, they're looking. They're, they're passing the temple. They're passing all the marketplaces. And they arrive at individual homes. And there is a, a knock at the door. And there stands two mighty Babylonian soldiers. And maybe someone opens the door and they say, we're here to take captives. And maybe the wife says, no, please, no. Please, no, don't take our husband. That's the father of the children. Don't take him. He works. He provides for us. Don't take him. They say, we're not interested in him. Maybe the husband says, well, don't, don't take my wife. She, she watches the children. She cares for the children. She guides the home. Please don't take the wife. They said, no, we're not interested in the wife. Maybe they think, well, I thought you came here to take someone captive. They said, yeah, you see the little ones in the back. 
We're here for the children. And I don't know, but as any good parent with the love and natural affection that God has put in them, I don't know how that went down, but I imagine Daniel's parents fought. It could be that Daniel was literally pried from their cold, dead hands and carried hundreds of miles away to a land that he'd never been with false gods in the Babylonian Empire, and he was taken captive. They targeted him. Do you see that? Children are being targeted today. If you know anything about Nazi Germany, you know that's one of the first things that Hitler sought to do. He sought to take control of the textbooks, of the media outlets, the periodicals. As a matter of fact, I looked it up. He began to start societies. He called them for young men and young women. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to inspire them. He said, great things are happening. We're on the move. And he started these societies for youth. He understood the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar understands and that the world understands, that children are the ones to be reached. You say, why? Why is it? Why all this effort? Why are they targeting the children? It's because the way God made children. God has so designed children that they have an amazing capacity for faith. Have you spoken with a child recently? You almost have to, not almost, you have to be careful when you speak to children because they take you so literally. I was teaching, as I mentioned, I had the opportunity literally to work with 2,000 children every week in their homes, praying, giving them the gospel, working with their families, going to their ball games every single week all over Knoxville. And I was teaching a lesson one day and I used an illustration and I told them that I have a sister who has a pet rabbit that is potty trained. <laughs> and I just noticed the facial expressions on some of the children started looking like this. They thought, what in the world? Afterwards, they come up to me after the meeting and they said, so you mean to tell me, Mr. Yama, that your sister has a rabbit that goes into the bathroom, hops up on the toilet and does what it has to do. <laughs> and I thought, no, I guess I should have been a little bit more specific. It has a litter box and it knows where it's supposed to go. But that taught me something. Children, are they have such a capacity for faith. By the way, God made them that way. That's why it's so important to reach the children because whatever reaches, whatever knowledge, whatever truth, think about your children now as you hear this, Whatever the children in this church, the children in the school that's about to start, think about the children that is in our lives. Whatever knowledge reaches them first becomes the point of reference for the rest of their life. First knowledge is foundational knowledge. Nebuchadnezzar knows that. Hitler knew that. The world knows that today. That's why they're trying to push to make it mandatory to have three-year-olds in public schools have a three-year-old pre-K because the earlier they get them, they know the greater percentage that they're going to be theirs. You see, children are being targeted. That's why this must become a passion of the church. This is so personal to me because I work with those children, but in the last two years, this matter has become much more personal to me. You saw in the video there just over two years ago, God blessed my wife and I with a baby girl, Evelyn Grace. And then four months ago, he blessed us again with another daughter, Caroline Joy. And let me just say this, I never knew the blessing that it was to become a parent, just to see those little ones and hold them. As a matter of fact, when we were leaving the hospital, I almost felt like, you know, is that, I can't believe they're letting us take this one home. <laughs> you know, we've worked in nurseries and stuff and you hold them, you play with them, but then there's a time to give them back. Well, these were our children. But both times bringing them home from the hospital, I told my wife this, I said, you know, I'm so thrilled, but also a part of me is deeply saddened because I know something. These little girls have a target on them. 
The world is coming after them. The world has dreams and plans and goals for my daughters. And by the way, they're targeting your children. They're targeting the children of Bonita Springs in Florida. The world has placed this emphasis. Children are being targeted. Not only that, I want you to notice secondly that children are being tempted. They're being tempted. What would you imagine that they did with these children that they took captive? What would you imagine? Do you think that King Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into a dungeon and they were tortured and beaten and mistreated and deprived and forced to do and to become what they wanted them to be? Would you imagine that's what they would do with captive Hebrew slaves? Maybe, but that's not the tactic that they use. Look what the Bible says they did. They brought these teenagers that they captured, Daniel and these three boys. And the Bible says in verse five, something so strange. It says, and the king, the most powerful man in the world, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. You know what we find? Secondly, children are being tempted. They're being tempted. They didn't seek to make them what they wanted them to be by force. No, no, no. They did something so much more manipulative, something so much more sinister. They became the nicest people they ever met. They gave them everything that they wanted. They say, boys, I want you to know what I eat tonight, you're gonna eat. What I drink tonight, that's what you're gonna be drinking. By the way, we got a nice quarter and chambers for you. And you see what they were doing? They were seeking to seduce them to tempt them, to appeal to their senses so the children start thinking, wow, I thought these Babylonians were just so evil. They just walked around and, and did violence and, and terrible things all the time. You know what? They're really nice guys. These Babylonians, they really like me. They want what's best for me. They treat us so good. This is amazing. You see, that's what the devil does. He's so smart. He's so clever. They seek to tempt the children. And there's a few things we see that was involved in this tempting. The first thing that they did was they removed them from godly influences. You know something? Nebuchadnezzar knew that those children would never become what he wanted them to become if they stayed in Jerusalem. If they stayed under the influence of that temple there, if they stayed in that home with their godly parents, they were never gonna become what he wanted them to become. So you know the first thing he did? He said, we're gonna get them out of, out of here and away from these godly influences. And may I say that? That's happening today. There's a reason why it's more difficult to spend time with children as parents than ever before. Did you know that they say on average parents, this is an average, a statistic that I read, spend less than 10 minutes of individual time with each one of their children a day. What are those children doing for the other 24 hours? What are they learning? What are they being exposed to? It's not a coincidence that it's harder than ever to get families to come to church and hear the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's the way the world system is set up. They wanna remove them away from those things and remove them from those influences. Not only that, but we find that they sought to seduce them. I read for you already that it said that they gave them the king's food and the king's drink. They sought to entice them. They sought to give them everything they wanted. You'd imagine, I, I don't know if it was today, they may have said something like this. What do you want to eat? You want some pizza, some Snickers? You want a chocolate bar? Chocolate milk will give you anything you want. And they bought these children. They're trying to give them the things that they naturally desired. They were seeking to tempt these children. Not only that, but they sought to inspire them by giving them opportunity. Look what the Bible says in the last phrase. This is a part of their, their, their method to get the children to become what they want them to be. It says in the last phrase of verse five, and whom they might teach 
the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. You know what that means? They wanted them to grow up and become just like them. And they told them something amazing. They actually said that at the end of verse five, thereof they might stand before the king. In other words, they said this, listen, there's a way of life for you here. They told Daniel and these three young men, they said, listen, I know we took you away from Jerusalem. I know we took you away from your family and all these things, but look at what we have here. Look how amazing this is. We have a whole way of life for you here. You can have a nice living here. You can have nice things in your life. And if you work hard, if you apply yourself, you can grow up and work with the most powerful man in the world. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to capture their hearts. They were trying to inspire them. And this is just the sad truth. As Christians, we are failing to inspire children. Whether it's right or wrong, it is what it is. A lot of times when you talk to children about what we're saying, they think, I don't want that. Yet what we have, is it not the greatest thing in the whole world? Hey, is there anything better than gathering with God's people around the word of God tonight and allowing the Lord to speak to you? No, there's not. This is the greatest thing. It's the most wonderful life and it ends in heaven. But the world is capturing children's attention. It's inspiring them. I spoke to a group of children not long ago and I said, what do you wanna be when you get older? It was very revealing their answer. Would you like to know? They told me things like this. I wanna grow up and become a YouTuber. They said, I, one of them said, I, a little girl said, I wanna become an Instagram influencer. <laughs> A couple of the boys said, I want to be an NBA player, an NFL player. You know what that showed me? The, the, this world has captured them. It's inspired them. They look and they say, there's a life for me here. There's so many things that can be a part of my life here. This is amazing. I want to give my life to this kind of stuff. I want my existence and my energy and, and all my things to be wrapped up in this. You see, children are being tempted. There's no doubt about it. Not only this, but they are pressured to conform. They change their names. Your name is so closely related to your identity, the way you see yourself. And as soon as they got there, they said, I understand that you are Daniel, that you are Hananiah, and you are Mishael, and you are Azariah, but we've got new names for you. I know that those names are specifically related to your God, but we have new names for you that are related to our gods. You're going to be Belteshazzar. You're going to be Shadrach, and you'll be Meshach, and you'll be Abednego. And you know what they were doing? They were pressuring them to conform, to be just like them, to act like they act, to talk like they talk, to think like they think, to have the goals and desires that they have. This is what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were seeking to do with the children then, and this is what the world is doing today. Do you see it? They're working to bring the children, and they're targeting them. They're tempting them. They're throwing everything imaginable at them, all the flashing lights and all the loud music and all the shows and all the concerts and the festivals and the films, and the children think, wow, this is amazing. And they've stolen their hearts. What chance do they have? The temptations of the devil today are like never before. Do you realize things that it used to be difficult to see? It's now difficult to not see them as a child. Things that it would have been difficult to hear before, it's difficult to grow up as a child now and not hear them. All of the fiery darts, all of the devil's big guns, they're all loaded, they're all aimed right at the children seeking to tempt them to make them become what they want them to become. And by the way, why? What is the world hoping to accomplish with children? Well, they wanna make them useful for their kingdom. They wanna make them grow up and become what they want them to be. They know that the hearts and minds of children is the most fertile soil. But you know what is so sad? 
The world promises such big things, but it can't deliver. It can't deliver. That's the sad thing. You see all the shows and all the flashing lights and all the things, but you know what happens when the world is done using someone? When a little boy or girl is inspired of all the temporal things in this world and never gives thought to eternity, never gives thought to their sin, never gives thought to the Savior. They're just completely inundated with the things of this world and they grow up seeking the nicest house, the nicest car, the next check, the best friends, the popularity and the fame. After 30 or 40 years, bank on it. After 30 or 40 years, that's why America is filled with broken homes and broken lives and people who are empty and miserable because they were tricked. They thought that the great things were the temporal things, that the, the little bit of money and the cars and the fame and the friends that they can get. They said, this looks amazing. They were tempted and tricked and now they're broken and miserable and don't have a savior. That's the way that the world works. Children are being targeted and they're being tempted, but praise God, something could be done about it. Did you know that it's still possible in 2022 to teach children the Bible? You know Jesus is still in the business of saving children. And you know it doesn't matter how old or how young or how experienced or inexperienced you are, he could use you to do it. That's incredible. That's encouraging to me. So here's the third thing. Children must be taught the truth. Yes, they're being targeted. Yes, they are being tempted like never before. The flood of sin, the fiery darts are coming, but they must be taught the truth. Whatever happened to Daniel... Whatever became of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what became of them? After all of this intentional effort, all this tempting and seducing and inspiring and opportunity, all of the greatest efforts by the greatest army and most powerful man in all the world, what became of them? Well, I wanna remind you, would you look with me at verse eight? Look what the Bible says again about Daniel. It says this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. This is unbelievable. Here is a 15 or 16 year old man standing toe to toe with the mightiest man on planet earth. And he says, I will not give in. That's in, where do those people come from? Where do teenagers like that come from? I'll tell you where they come from, from being taught the truth. You see, Daniel grew up, we don't know much about his family, but we know it must have been a godly home. We know that Daniel grew up under the, the revivals of Josiah when King Josiah found the book and he said, we're gonna do all that's written therein and great revival swept land. You know what happened in Daniel's heart? These people came, they did everything they could to capture them, but they didn't know something. King Nebuchadnezzar did not know something. He did not know that Daniel had already been captured before he was ever captured. He didn't know it. They did everything they could. They said, we got him, we're taking him, we've carried him over here, we're giving everything we want, we're gonna inspire and tempt and seduce, but he didn't know Daniel was already captured by God. God had already become real to Daniel. He already saw God move in his family and his nation and all the powers of hell could not remove the things that were placed into Daniel's heart. And you know what? The Bible still says, train up a child. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, what? He will not depart from it. The Bible still says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. You see, the truth is more powerful than the error. These children are being targeted and being tempted, but we must teach them the truth. And when we do, the truth will prevail. You see what happened to Daniel. We'll finish by looking just over to chapter three and see what happened to these other boys. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you'd flip over with me in chapter number three, we find that these three young men had prospered. They'd done so well. God had blessed them. But a time had come when King Nebuchadnezzar said, you will bow down to the image that I've made when I play the music. And these young men said, we will not. We refuse. And the Bible tells us in verse number 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? that shall deliver you out of my hands, he says. And what do these young men say to the most powerful man? He says, listen, I'm gonna kill you if you don't do this. What do three real life, living, breathing, teenagers, teenagers, three young men, stare the man in the face, he's about to throw him in the oven. What do they say? Look what it says. Verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. May I, may I say this? These young men had learned something. The truth of God's word were hid in their heart and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And all the powers of the world, the flesh, the devil, everything was thrown at them, but the truth reached them first. They were brought to Jesus before they were brought to Babylon. And oh, that made all of the difference. Isn't that amazing? You see, tonight all of us are in an ultimate race. Maybe you knew it or you didn't. But every one of you has been enlisted by Jesus Christ himself who gave his own precious blood for these children to bring these children to him. Everyone in a church like this has a part, praying, giving, helping, volunteering, because there are thousands of children in Bonita Springs, and guess what? Just mark it down. They got a target on their back. The world is coming after them. They're being tempted by ways you can't even imagine, but there's an answer. There's a remedy. There's a solution that is foolproof. We can teach them the Bible. <laughs> we can get the truth of God's word. And guess what? God will do what only he can do. How, how amazing that is. Maybe you know of D.L. Moody. How many of you have heard of him? D.L. Moody grew up in a home. He was so poor. His mother said, I'm sorry, son. I can't pay for you to eat. I don't have the money to take care of you. And so she had to send D.L. Moody up north to live with some of his family. And he went up there and got a job working in a shoe shop. And it wasn't long before a soul winner came by, gave him the gospel, and D.L. Moody got saved. In a very short period of time afterwards, he began bringing children to a Sunday school. And he got three, four, five. He filled up a whole pew. And then it wasn't long after that, he got several more pews. And scores of children in Chicago were being brought to Sunday schools because of D.L. Moody. Well, it didn't stop there. It moved to hundreds and then thousands of children that D.L. Moody got to come to Sunday school and hear the teaching of preaching of God's word and their life was transformed. And D.L. Moody grew on to become a great evangelist. As a matter of fact, one person who wrote about his life said, he's a man who took two continents and shook them both for God. 
America and England. And here's a man who is so mightily used, yet at the end of his life, it's said that D.L. Moody was asked, if you can go back and do anything differently, what would you do? And you know what he said? One of the great evangelists of American history, perhaps a million people coming to Christ because of his ministry. He said this, if I can go back, I would do something different. I would give all of my life to reaching children. Isn't that something? May we as the church of God get serious about this. May we get wise to this. May we see that all of the children are gonna be brought to the world. They're gonna be brought to Jesus. And let's get busy bringing them to Jesus, amen? Would you bow your heads right where you are and close your eyes? You see, I have a question that I wanna ask to all the different groups of people here before we finish, because you don't just hear something like this and think, well, that's nice. There's things that God wants us to do when God speaks. We must respond in a way that pleases him. And so if you're here tonight and, and you're a child, I want you to know the world is coming after you. They have plans for you, but you can make a decision to be like Daniel. You can dare to be like Daniel. You can dare to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the children in here tonight can make a decision that they will not give in to the ways of the world, that they will stand strong for the Lord Jesus and be a true follower of the Lord. I wonder if you're here tonight and you're a parent, would you raise your hand? Would our parents raise our hands? How about tonight you make a commitment before God that you're gonna do everything you can to expose your children to the truth. You're gonna teach them the Bible, you're gonna have family devotions, and you better believe it, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, you're gonna get them into God's house so they can be exposed to these things because you know what the world's gonna do. You know the devil's coming after them. And parents tonight, with God's help, can make a decision that will forever change the destiny of your child tonight. And church family, I'm so encouraged of the effort that goes out here to reach children and young people in the school to provide them with a Christian education. It's amazing. It's amazing. The message for you tonight is this, don't quit. Don't grow weary and well-doing because these children are counting on you. God has raised up Gospel Baptist for Bonita Springs children to hear the truth of God's word. And may you continue to faithfully do all we can to reach and teach children the Bible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. I pray tonight that this would not just be a message, but it'd be a movement. That people in here tonight hearing the message would get it in their hearts that they are going to give their life to do the greatest thing on planet earth, bring children to our wonderful Savior. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.